So for anyone who knows me, you know I'm a bit obsessed with my own health and fitness. Now, I'm just really only over the past year starting to realize why I've always been so obsessed with my health and fitness. It has something to do with control. For a long time, I have really monitored everything that goes in my body. I've been obsessed with exercise. If you know me, you know that I cannot sit still for the life of me. It's why I can't watch TV. It's why I can't go to the movies. I always have to be out and about doing something. And so my health is really important to me. I'm still working on it. And I'm really trying to figure out how to have a better, healthier relationship with exercise, with nutrition, with sleep. I thought I was healthy, but I was I thought I was so healthy to the point that it was unhealthy. And so I'm now figuring out how to correct that. And health and wellness is a subject that's very important to me and it's very important to all of us who are, you know, who are young. And as we are getting older, it's only going to become more and more important for us. And so with that, I want to have a conversation that I can learn a lot from and that all of you can learn a lot from with an expert, Dr. Sinena Shandran, joining us all the way from London, United Kingdom. Sinena, you have a online health coaching business where you have your clients and you advise them basically on just how to live a healthier, happier, well-rounded life, whether that is through diet, exercise, sleep, checking in with yourself. Uh, it's an awesome business that you've been building for yourself uh, over the past few years. You do it online so you can work with people from all around the world. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting you several times this summer in Las Vegas where you uh, gave me some great advice at 2 a.m. And then in London, I had the pleasure of getting together with you and your husband, who is a a friend of mine uh, because he is a fan of the show that I work on through Spotify. So it's been uh, a pleasure getting to know you. and It's a pleasure to have you on the show today to talk about a bunch of really important things. So, uh, Sinanda, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And likewise to yourself, you've pronounced my name absolutely perfectly. So well done there. Um, yeah, and it's been really great getting to know you. Like, I think yeah, seeing you twice over the last month has been really good, both in Vegas and the UK. My listeners are already freaking out because we Americans are suckers for a good British accent. So <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I could listen to it all day. <laughs> I hope I do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're doing great. So uh, there's a bunch of different areas I want to go. I kind of want to talk about the three pillars of health, which are sleep, exercise, and nutrition. But before we get there, I want to just kind of dive into your journey a little bit. Why did you decide to get into this space? Because you, you are a dentist by day. That's what you went to school for. Uh, and you have since cut back on your hours there and your commitment there to really launch and, and get into and develop this business online for yourself. So what inspired you to do this? Sure. So like yourself, I would say I've always been into health and fitness. Um, it doesn't mean I've always been able to get it right, though. So um, even from a young age, 15, 16 years old, I've always wanted to, you know, get into shape, tone up, um, understand how to exercise better, eat well, um, and always probably try to follow the latest trend that was out there. So whether it was going to your legs, bums and tums classes, your hip classes, cutting out sugar, cutting out carbs, which really I was only successful for about a day or two days and then things would come crashing down um so I was always trying to find new things and and educate myself to try and get to where I wanted to be physically but I just wasn't able to do that I think out like there's so much information out there it can get confusing and I think there's 
even more information out there now with Instagram and social media before I was just looking in women's health magazines or just watching TV um, and or even asking my mum what's the healthiest thing to eat and 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 you know even that wasn't right so I think that I just kind of got to a point where I needed to put my energy um, to good use because I was spending I guess a few hours in the gym a week I was going there I was probably staying on a couple of cardio machines and not really you know taking it to that next level um and actually it was nim who um introduced yes nim sorry my husband who started um to work with an online coach and this is uh, about a year or two before we got married so he proposed got engaged and he thought right, right now it's time to really get into shape he was also like myself he had spent you know lots of money on different trainers or different books and he wasn't seeing the results um, so he started working with an online fitness coach and at first I really didn't understand it how how are you how are you doing this when someone's you know, through email with someone through email, you know, you're not going to see a personal trainer. Um, why are you getting your weighing scale, scales out to weigh your food? I didn't understand it. But then when I started to see the impact it was having on him physically, uh, he was feeling healthier, he was having more energy, um, he was enjoying that health and fitness side of things. I was very intrigued. Um, and um, I signed up to the health, this health and fitness coach too. Um, and, you know, I was with him for about three or four years. Um, and I, I actually managed, well, it didn't take me three or four years to get to my goals. It took me about 12 weeks to get to where I've wanted to for like years um just through implementing healthier habits in my day implementing the right nutrition exercise sleep like we've mentioned and I think I was just absolutely amazed at like just educating myself a little bit more got me to where I've wanted to be um and I think the step like that got me really going was where I saw that taking control of my health and fitness took me further than just a physical transformation it really got me out of my comfort zone it got me to take control of my decisions more of what I wanted Uh, it got me feeling more confident which I had lacked for pretty much my whole life so that was at the age of 25 26 which is when I started that and I'm now 32 and I don't regret it. And so going back to your question, which is what inspired me, I think that when I saw that a physical transformation, simple things that you can change in your day could could get you feeling more confident and happier within yourself, I was ready to share that with other people. Um, and that's that's kind of what started the, the process of online coaching. Do you think that you weren't finding any fulfillment with with what you were doing uh as a dentist and did you feel that this was maybe a way to to compensate for that definitely it, it kind of felt like a blessing in disguise um I think from the age of 23 to the age of about 30 you know I just kind of only knew dentistry I knew that I had to do it four or five days a week I knew that you know I had to try and do better than my peers and try and go on more courses, but I wasn't enjoying it. But I was just almost forcing myself to do these extra courses because I thought, well, 
what else is there going to be of me if I don't push myself in this way? But I, you know, looking back at it at the time, I didn't really realize. But to know how fulfilled I am now makes me realize how unfulfilled I was before. Um, And I, you know, when I look back at it, I remember coming home from work crying my eyes out to my mum just feeling stressed not wanting to go in but then I would go in the next day and I just I don't think I saw a way out I just thought the only way was pushing myself to become a specialist or you know people ask me do you not want to own your own practice and I'm like oh well I don't really want to but if that's what I have to do that's what I have to do so yeah I wasn't getting that fulfillment when the pandemic hit dental practices in the UK closed for about three months so there was no going into the practice and so I felt a little bit lost um and that's when my coach at the time said hmm would you ever be interested in doing coaching or something like that and I think that gave me the confidence to be like oh I think someone believes in me that I could do something different and and took it from there interesting okay so for what you do as an online coach you have these tremendous social media accounts, by the way, and I will put those in the show thank notes you. of today's episode oh, so people you. can can check them out. Uh, you're posting a lot. You're posting a lot of advice about all sorts of different things in the, in the health and wellness space. You're showing the, the progress that your clients have made. In order to do that, that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of confidence and belief in yourself and what you're doing. I'm sure you are very – because I know when I post things, uh, there is a – sense of doubt in your mind there there's like oh the kids from high school who follow me are gonna think I'm such a loser and such a weirdo for doing this so what gives you the the confidence and the motivation and the inspiration to to push past those doubts so to be able to put yourself out there like that honestly I still haven't quite got there yet in terms of feeling fully confident um but I am definitely way more confident than I was when I first started I remember when I first started I would like you know reread my posts about 10 times and ask my husband Nim and ask my mum and ask my friends and and just get everyone's opinion which then actually made me you know a lot more confused so I think that I never fully had the confidence but like with anything I think that I just had to start like I really thought like if I don't do this if I don't force myself into this space take myself out of this comfort zone I am never going to be able to progress. Um, And let's say five, 10 years ago, I would never have dreamed of doing anything like this. But I think, um, you know, and I've talked to you about this before, you know, the path of my self-development, having a lot of reflection and introspection has really pushed me to to take on challenges. Like even this podcast, this feels, you know, I mentioned to you, it's quite nerve wracking for me to do. I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. But um, the fulfillment that you get after, the confidence that you get after then drives me even more to do it again. And I think I've just got to a point where like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what people think. Um, It's taken me a long time to get there. And I still get that comparison syndrome, that imposter syndrome. Um, But I'm just starting to care a lot less and starting to focus just on me and, you know, my close knit circle and, and those opinions that I do really care about. It's really difficult to do that. I myself am battling that. A lot of people are, who want to put stuff out there, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or, or whatever the thing is, 
there's a lot of doubt and it, it's there's so much doubt that it prevents them from doing the thing that they want to do. So major props to you for for pushing past uh, that and getting to the edge of your comfort zone because that is where the growth happens uh, as both you and I know. Um, thank you. So there's a bunch of areas that you can talk about with health and wellness. I want to go back to those three pillars and I want to first talk about the one that I think is most forgotten, that's sleep. We think that hey, if I just work out hard and I get my greens in, that I'll be ripped, that I'll be jacked, mm-hmm. that I'll have, you know, that I'll be super productive and have all this energy. But I know as I've just altered my own sleep schedule because I have been brainwashed under this, you know, American, I, and I think UK deals with this uh, as well, where we're just so hardworking and we're our entire lives, the the entire American system is based on the economy and just participating in it and therefore – you work more than 40 hours a week, which is, you know, more than you're supposed to. We push ourselves so much that we're so tired and we, you know, rely on fast food to, to give us a quick hit of energy and we rely on caffeine to get us through the day. We're always so tired. We're never, we're always distracted because we're just not sleeping because we push ourselves so much because we think, oh, if I sleep eight hours a day today, I am lazy. I, someone mm-hmm. else is uh, is taking, you know, the food off my my table, so to say, because I'm not, you know, working or waking up at 6 a.m. and getting after it immediately. So sleep is very important. I personally just started sleeping uh, eight hours a night last week and already noticed a <laughs> world of difference. My, my creativity is up. I'm coming with uh, up with all sorts of ideas for for work and, and for personal things and so uh it has reinvigorated me and i can't believe i wasn't doing this uh all this time i took great pride in sleep deprivation that is something that we do that's messed up we take pride in uh depriving ourselves of sleep so i kind of want to ask you and i'll ask you this uh for for food and exercise as well what does a healthy relationship with sleep look like Yeah. So um, I definitely agree on that point that you mentioned that, you know, it's known that basically sleep deprivation or having four to five hours sleep, you know, it looks cool. Right. Like that's what you you think. You see people on social media. Oh, I've had four hours sleep. Now I'm like working really hard. And like it it makes someone else look like they're having a more productive life than yourself. Um, So you asked me, what does it look like to have um, a healthy relationship with sleep, basically. And I think like you can read articles um, and, you know, you know that you read, oh, it's ha- you know, having um, a good six to eight hours of sleep is really important a day. And like, that's fine just to say as an overall, but everyone is slightly different. Um, sleep is very important to me. And now that I've been able to, again, work more on my sleep, I have seen the benefits. In terms of a healthy relationship with sleep, I guess um, the importance of that is when I don't have good sleep, I am not my most best self the next day. So I've had about like this happened recently, actually, and and my husband Nim will vouch for me. Like I probably had about four or five hours sleep, two or three days in a row. I'm a grumpy person the next morning. I'm naggy. I'm not my best self. Anything, you know. Um, you know, if I'm running late for work or something like that, I'm just more ag- agitated. Um, any, you know, I'm just more agitated um, with things like that. And then I'll go to work feeling a little bit more grumpy. And then I'll just think, oh, you know, my, my day's not going so well. So I think that I just don't feel good within myself. The second thing is, if I haven't had a good sleep, 
I tend to want to reach for more comfort food the next day, less healthier food because I'm not feeling so good already. Um, so I, I just want to I want to reach for something that's going to feel good, some more carbs um, and almost forget about what I've planned for my meals. Or I don't even have time. I don't have the energy to plan for healthier meals or anything like that. And then again, um, if I'm feeling tired, um, who wants to head to the gym? Who wants to go for a walk? You know, I think that sleep is the foundation almost for the rest of your health journey. And that's why when I have clients who come to me and, you know, they, they you know, might have not been having a good week um, with food or with exercise, I always run it back and dig deeper to the basics. How was your how was your sleep been the last few days? How was your stress levels? And more often than not, it's that that we need to work on um, in order to get that food the next in order to get everything else right the next day. You're not going to to be able to get back on it with your training or be in a you know a good food routine if you're having two hours of sleep a day. So I think it's just yeah very very important. It feels like I think there's all sorts of things that we try to do, you know, we try to, and I'm sure you see this uh, in this space as well. You see a bunch of people who offer fitness programs, you know, get ripped in 12 days or, or you <laughs> yeah. get your money back. We are always looking for like the quick fix. What is the quickest way I can lose weight? The quickest way I can gain muscle. And I think the most, like the easiest thing you can do to fix your health, the fastest is sleep more. I mean, it, as I was telling you, it, Unlo has unlocked so much for me. <laughs> it is free. It is easy to do. Yeah. And so how do you think you can get higher quality sleep? I know there's all there's all sorts mm -hmm. of ticks and trips, whether it's, you know, managing the light that's in your room, managing your electronic use before bed, things of that nature. Okay, so firstly, I would say, um, look at your caffeine intake. Um, so coffee, tea, even certain like diet, like Diet Coke or Coke have caffeine in. And I try and avoid having any caffeine past one o'clock in the afternoon, um, because actually, it can still stay in your system until you're sleeping. So I still have one or two coffees a day, but I would recommend just pushing, if you're having it a bit later, pushing it back to the morning. So first of all, just rechecking when you're having your, your coffees and not having it too late in the day. Um, I would say secondly, making sure that your um, room is of a good temperature. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Um, that, that can affect kind of your your comfort of your sleep as well. Um, and again, I think one of the biggest things is devices, um, your, your iPad, your iPhone, scrolling on TikTok, on Instagram. I think for many reasons that can have an impact on your sleep, not only because of the light, which can affect like the melatonin in your body. Um, but actually, if you're scrolling, you're looking at Instagram, you're thinking about something, um, it might even start playing on your mind just before you go to bed. So what I recommend, and I'm saying I recommend it because I'm guilty of not doing this myself, <laughs> but trying to stay away from your devices around 45 minutes before bed. So uh, what I've tried to do is leave my phone in the other room, actually buy an alarm clock rather than use the phone as my alarm. Have a hot shower because actually a hot shower gets your body temperature right um, before going bed. Before it actually having a hot shower actually cools your body to the right temperature mm. before going to the, before going to, to bed. Um, and yeah, just almost 
having, you know, doing some reading, doing some journaling, reflecting, planning for the day ahead so that anything that's in your mind is out of your mind and you can relax before bed. So I'd say those are the the main things that I try and focus on in terms of sleep quality. All right, let's move on to food. What does a healthy relationship with food look like? This is a big question. And I think think a, a healthy relationship with food looks like no not like not restricting yourself with certain food groups so you hear of low carb low fat atkins juice diets all these type of things where you are eliminating food um out of your diet for a short period because ultimately is going to be a short period because it's not sustainable for the long term. You're eventually going to revert back to old habits. I think a healthy relationship with food is finding something that works for you um, that is sustainable for the long term. So, for example, um, if you're wanting to lose weight, um, it's really important that you are within a calorie deficit. So you're basically burning more calories than you're consuming. But you can adopt a calorie deficit through many ways. You might prefer to eat more carbs and less fat. I might prefer to eat more fat and less carbs. Someone else might prefer to do intermittent fasting. Someone else actually might prefer to have breakfast. So your healthy relationship is just something where you're not feeling like something is restrictive, but where something feels like it's working for you in order to achieve your goals. Um, and basically having a good balance of each nutrition component. So that's protein, carbs, fats, and a good range of vegetables as well. Restricting is something I myself am very familiar with. Uh, I am only really now getting past uh, that phase of my life because I used to, whether I admitted it to myself or not, I think I knew deep down that I was binge eating, uh, maybe not binge, I, I don't know how you, what the proper term would be, basically, mm, like, yeah. I was the one day a week cheat meal guy, where, in you know, nachos, mac and cheese, uh, a big bowl of chicken wings, like, those are my, my go-to cheat meals, the rest of the week I would be absolutely clean, but I would have just, like, a massive bowl of nachos, sm- you know, with pulled pork and smothered in buffalo sauce or something, and would just, and would just eat it. And halfway through, I'm like, I hate myself. I hate myself. Mm-hmm. And afterward, I just feel like physically feel ill because I've eaten so much. And then I work it off uh, the next day. So <laughs> I'm not doing things like that anymore. I'm instead now just kind of sprinkling in, you know, you know, three days a week, a big bowl, bowl of nachos. But okay, maybe on Tuesday, I have, uh, you know, some mac and cheese for lunch or something just like a small helping and then thursday like i have a couple handfuls of my uh candied walnuts that i really like or whatever and so it's kind of sprinkling in it more often through the weeks so that i don't feel like i'm depriving myself of the joy that i get from the foods that that i that i like so i'm working on that is that something that you see a lot people depriving themselves of the things that they like because oh it's it's bad Absolutely. And that's something that I also went through myself, that type of binge and um, restrict kind of cycle. So I would uh, restrict myself in the week quite a bit. I would be, you know, salads during the week and then give my I give myself kind of the go ahead to 
have more alcohol at the weekends, eat loads of pizza. But then I found myself on a Sunday evening feeling really bad about myself and feeling feeling guilty. Um, and that's why when I work with my clients, I want to work with them in a way that you can incorporate all these types of foods. Um, we've just got to plan for them a little bit. You've got to understand a, li- a little bit more about nutrition and how we spread that out throughout the week. Um, and we can still kind of get to your goals that way. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, I would end up in a cycle of feeling like wanting to restrict myself, over-exercise, diet really hard on Monday. Right. Um and then binge again and just end up yeah. at square one. Do you believe that there's good and bad foods? <sighs> that is, again, something that's always, always crops up. Um, always in the media, you have good and bad foods. And I would say there is no good or bad food. There is no healthy or unhealthy food. If you have a goal, whether it's losing weight, building muscle, maintaining your weight, um, you just want to be able to eat foods that fit uh, a number of calories that you need to hit to hit your goal, if you see what I mean. So, you know, if I say to you that um, edamame beans, for example, that, that sounds like a super food, a health food, you'd think, okay, if I, if, I'm, if I eat loads of them every day, I'm good. That's a healthy food. It's a nutritious food. It's got your good minerals and vitamins. But if you had like a thousand grams of edamame beans on top of all your other food, you're going to be tipping over the number of calories that you need to be able to maintain your weight or to lose weight. So actually, you, you're by eating all that food, you're going over the amount of food that you need to eat. So I'm not going to class as you know pizza or a donut as bad food. They have less nutritional content, but you can still eat them, eat them if you're remaining within your calorie target or your calorie t- deficit for the day, if you see what I mean. Um, do you understand about calories? Um, I can explain that a little bit more. Yeah. No, I mean, I know you have your, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, for example, you have your yeah. your basal metabolic yeah. rate, which is just what yeah. Your, yeah. your body naturally burns if you're just sitting still, just living and breathing. And then you just kind of need to run some calculations based, you know, take that coupled with your activity level, your mm-hmm. age, what your fitness goal is exactly. And then you just kind of come up with a number like, okay, this is how many calories I need to either build muscle or or, or lose fat or whatever. Yeah. And for example, like in order for me to maintain my body weight, so if I wanted to stay the same weight every day, I know that I roughly need about 2000 calories. If I wanted to start losing weight, I need to put myself in a calorie deficit. And for me, from experience, I know I need to be on about 1600 calories. Now, however, I um, make up those calories with good or bad foods or just any foods is my choice. And what I do is I I kind of have an 80-20 rule. So 80% of my calories will come from foods that we perceive healthy, you know, so your um, lean meats and your veggies and your grains, your oats and things like that. And then 20% of my calories, I'll allow them to come from what's kind of perceived as bad food. So pizza or burgers or my favorite chocolate bar. So that's how I have my balance. So there's no good or bad food in terms of if you wanted to lose weight, but there's more nutritional food as such, if you see what I mean. And if you think about it, if you eat more nutritional food, 
you're probably going to just feel better in yourself, less bloated, less lethargic. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's how I would talk about it. At the end of the day, it's really just about calories in, calories out. Yeah, it's exactly. Been that way. People yeah. like to make it think that it's some bigger thing than that. It's really yeah. not. Yeah. Do you think it is – because I used to do this when I – I first got educated on nutrition and all this stuff in college, what you guys would call university. Uh, I started using all the apps. I used my fitness pal. I was tracking everything. I mean, I am scanning every box, every <laughs> everything that I'm getting, getting all yeah. the nutritional information about it. I'm doing all the calculations. And I did it for a while. And it showed me everything I was putting into my body, showed me all the data and the stats to the point where I don't have to do that anymore because I just kind of know off the top of my head, I can look at something and say, yep, that's about X amount of calories. I know that's a good amount for me. That feels good for me. Do you think though, and I know, you know, this is stuff that you do with your clients. I'm sure you got, you have all sorts of spreadsheets and calculations that one not. I know the goal of it is to be healthy, but do you think monitoring yourself so closely and tracking like that so obsessively could be taken to an unhealthy extreme it could be and you know i'm 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 not sure how that's um you know i can't speak for everyone but how i like to use calorie counting is actually something similar to what you said you kind of used calorie counting and tracking for a short period of time it allowed you to understand what's in your food what you're putting in your body um and I think that I use calorie counting in my fitness pal as an educational tool for my clients for a certain period of time. And then over time, we can start to wean off it because you understand what 40 grams of oats might look like, or you're able to eat slightly more mindfully. But how can, uh, how can someone eat more intuitively or mindfully without having that initial understanding and education in the first place? So understanding calories, understanding how many calories is in your chicken or how many calories in your donut gives you that education of like, actually, I can incorporate into this into my diet and I can plan ahead for it. And then, you know, later on down the line, you don't have to calorie count anymore. I, you know, after doing it for so long, I say about 40% of the time, I still continue to calorie count. And maybe I do it a little bit more often if I have a very, very specific goal that I'm going to hit. So if I'm needing to specifically lose weight for a certain period of time, or I'm looking to gain muscle at a steady, steady period. But generally, like, after learning about it, I don't feel the need to do it all the time, but I think it's a useful tool. Um, but yeah, I think, again, you've got to be a bit careful from clients and their background. If they have any histories of like, eat, that's when you want to be a bit more careful and take the time to understand things a bit more before you go into that. And maybe we just start with something a little bit more basic. You mentioned intermittent fasting earlier. That's yeah. something I want to hit on really quickly. And from what I've gathered about it through the years, I think people are pretty split on it as to whether it's a healthy or unhealthy behavior. My understanding is you kind of uh, – you limit your eating to a certain window of time. So you might eat dinner at 7 p.m. and then not eat again until 8 a.m. the next day or something. I think 12 to 16 is kind of the the common hour range. And so you, you restrict yourself to just eating your meals within a certain window of time. How do you feel about intermittent fasting as a as a healthy way of uh, having an eating schedule? 
Okay, so I think intermittent fasting is simply another strategy like low carb, like low fat diet to help you hit a calorie deficit. You are pushing your food and your calories within a shorter amount of time. It doesn't really matter what time you eat. That's not going to affect health or progress. If you find it easier to push your calories back later in the day and not eat till about 11 a.m. or 12 in the afternoon, that's fine. That's actually something that I naturally do. I prefer eating more food in the evening when I've got home from work and I'm watching a bit of TV. I like to have like slightly more carby snack in the evening. And in the morning, I find that I can get you know, on with my work, have a cup of coffee, have some water that lasts me till about 11 o'clock. I feel I would then just be eating for the sake of it. Um, So I think intermittent fasting, if it works for you, it's just simply another strategy that can help you hit your calorie deficit because you're pushing your calories to later. What does a healthy relationship with exercise look like? Healthy relationship with exercise. I think Again, just like with nutrition, something that feels sustainable for you. You know, what feels sustainable for me might be different to um, a person who has three children, uh, you know, really busy working schedule. They still want to get in some exercise. You want to find something, A, that you enjoy. Don't do exercise that you don't enjoy. You know, I used to do HIIT classes um, when I was a lot younger. I don't like HIIT. I don't really like doing much cardio. It's not necessary for you to do that to achieve certain goals. If you want to do it, then do it, but it's not necessary. So I say, first thing, find something that you can stick with, feel sustainable, and that you enjoy. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that's the, the in terms of the main thing with, with exercise. And again, the second thing is, I guess, not overdoing it. So making sure that you're having appropriate rest. So if you're, for example, going into the gym six, seven days a week, lifting really, really heavy weights, not allowing yourself to recover, that can actually work to your detriment. You know, you can is you know increase the risk of injury. You're not actually allowing your body to recover. And so it doesn't have the time to the muscle doesn't actually have the time to repair and actually build um, and increase in size. So, again, it's just making sure you're doing the right amount for you. And that doesn't feel too strenuous on your week, I would say. OK, I want to get selfish here uh, and yeah. ask you this. So I love exercise. What I, and I kind of, I'm very versatile. I, d- I do a bunch of things. So I just did kickboxing today. I did yoga on Monday. I went for a run on Sunday. And then I go on long bike rides. You know, I do some push-ups. Uh, and I, you know, run, like run on the beach. I do all sorts of things. And I like it. It feels sustainable. I enjoy it. I get a lot of fun from it. Uh, I do hit hit as well. I do not like lifting weights. I've never enjoyed lifting weights. Every time I go to the gym to lift weights, I'm like, gosh, I just want to get this over with. It feels like a chore to me. And so over the past year, I really have not been lifting weights at all. And so I, I, you know, will look at myself in the mirror sometimes be like, I'm pretty fit, but like I have toothpick arms. I'm so skinny. And I know that lifting weights is a healthy part of of a well-balanced exercise regimen but I just don't like it. So do you think I should force myself to lift weights even though I don't like it? I think 
lifting weights for everyone it has so many ben- benefits not only overall health benefits but mentally as well um you know if if we're not lifting weights um and for example we're we're dieting um sometimes we can run the risk of um losing muscle or not feeling like we're building muscle so i guess having enough muscle in our body is just important from an overall health point of view um and um if you have a specific goal of actually i do want to try and look a little bit bigger i do want to build more muscle then lifting weights is going to be so important for that and it's making sure that you're doing that on a consistent basis like two or three times a week um and actually progressing so not just picking up the same weight in the gym but something something that we call progressive overload which is where you know you might be doing a bicep curl one week with a five with five kilograms but you want to be increasing the weight that you're using over time you want to be adding more increasing the stimulus on your muscle to build your muscle up um so i would say if you don't enjoy it like why why don't you enjoy it like what makes you not enjoy it is it that you don't know how to do the exercise is it that you've had a bad experience with it is that you find it uncomfortable like maybe dive deeper into that um a couple of things. I don't like the experience of going to the gym. Uh, okay. I don't like what it's become. It's become a fashion <laughs> contest. It, people, Everyone's videotaping themselves. I personally just don't like it. I don't like the environment. And I know you, know, you can get your own weights and do home workouts and stuff if you want to. I personally just feel, and you know, and I know you sweat when you're lifting weights and stuff, but it's not as, I don't feel that when you're lifting weights, you're pushing yourself as much. It doesn't feel like as much of a mental challenge. Whereas during a HIIT workout where you want to give up every five seconds, you are constantly pushing yourself. I do not feel that way. I I get way more endorphins and a feeling of accomplishment after doing something where I really, really have to push it as opposed to lifting weights. Yeah. And I see what you mean. And I think if you're used to pushing yourself um, with um, that type of activity and, and you're enjoying that, that is fine. But you you can still you can push yourself so much with weights. And, and actually, the feeling that weightlifting gives me, I'm really pushing myself like you've, you've got to be able to by the time that you're on your last rep, by the time you're doing the last rep, you should not be able to be lifting the weight anymore you know if it if your ninth or tenth rep looks as easy as your first or second rep you're not going hard enough you need to push yourself harder whether it is doing more repetitions or whether it is lifting that weight if you're not feeling that then we're not going hard enough is what I would say um and then you know maybe next time just try that push yourself even further than what you can normally do and sometimes again that's helpful you know if you have a coach or a personal trainer but whatever you're doing within your mind when you're running to push yourself that extra half mile or whatever you need to do push yourself for that extra three or four reps try and see if you could you've got more in you and see how that goes for next time so on those last reps where you're you know, as you just laid out, you're struggling to get them. The importance of form. Form is obviously very important. So uh, when you notice your form starting to go, what what should you do? Yeah, absolutely. Form is number one. Yeah. You want to ensure that form is um, the, the priority. So you want to be able to be getting to a point of pushing yourself at the last rep, but maintaining good form. And if you're not maintaining good form, then you know, you would need to 
cut back a little bit or, or drop the weight. So yes, it is pushing yourself, but ensuring that you're having good form. So there's all sorts of guidelines that come out all over the world every year. I feel like the studies are always changing. I, I read a different study every week about, hey, the required number of minutes throughout the week that are, you know, that's a good measure for exercise. What do you think in terms of timing and total time spent exercising is a good number? Again, it it depends on your background, your training background. Again, even how much time you have in the week. But if you're a beginner or you haven't been training with weights for too long, if you can commit to about two days a week, at least 45 minutes and be consistent with that, then you're on a good path. And then if you feel that you can incorporate that third day, that's fine. I tend to do three or four days a week. You've got people who want to, you know, who are muscle builders, um, bodybuilders, sorry, or really into um, wanting to, um, you know, go in to improve their power and their strength. They might do six days a week, but uh, as a minimum, two to three days for about 45 minutes, making sure you're hitting all the main muscle groups um, throughout the week, that is that is definitely sufficient. It's making sure that those 45 minutes count. So it's not going in and, like I said, not pushing yourself on each set. It's making sure that your form is good, that you're progressing with your weight, and you're making those 45 minutes count. You might not be sweating like, like you have after running, but you should feel that intensity within your muscles, or you might even feel some muscle soreness the next day. So it's going to feel like a different type of workout and a different type of feeling. You know, I don't, I rarely sweat when I'm doing strength training. I don't think sweating is uh, necessarily a measure of how hard you're working, if you see what I mean. I want to ask you about something that you told me recently. You said that every Saturday, you and your amazing husband, Nim, get together, you have coffee, and you kind of do a little check-in with each other, a, a progress. You, you guys measure how you've been doing over the last week. How long you guys been doing that? Why did you decide to do that? What do you get out of doing that? Yeah, so um, I think we started doing that. Midway through pandemic, I think for everyone, it caused a lot of stress. You know, we were both at home, um, all in each other's space. We were living in a smaller flat at the time. And I think that, you know, this led to naturally more arguments or getting it on each other's nerves. And um, one of our friends actually mentioned to us that they do like a weekly check in with with one another. And um, so we've been doing it for the last year and a half. And I think it's amazing because it feels like a safe space to be able to share what's bothered you for the week or even, you know, pat your partner on the back. Thank you for washing the dishes because you might not be able to you might not be able to do that forget to do that in the week so it's a safe space to share concerns because I think sometimes if you're having an argument and you're kind of voicing your concerns within an argument the tone doesn't necessarily come out in the way that you want to and that can kind of just you know add fuel to fire I would say so I think that it's our time of the week to share our concerns 
share uh, some positives and basically see how we can support each other for the week ahead. So, you know, Nim um, has a very crazy work schedule. Sometimes he'll be, you know, traveling two or three hours away. Sometimes he'll be at home. Sometimes he's got big projects or deadlines. And if I ask him, you know, how is your how is your week going to be next week? Um, it means that I have a better understanding on how to support him for that week. So if, for example, he might have not been able to do those dishes. I know I've mentioned dishes a few times. Nim, like, do those dishes, Nim. Yeah. <laughs> if, for example, if I know that on the Wednesday he's out for like 12 hours and the dishes aren't done, I'm going to... I'm going to be okay with that. Like he's had a long day and I'm happy, happy to do that for him. So it's worked so well for us. And I think at the beginning, it was hard to stay consistent with it. Like with any new habit, like you have to get into the habit and force yourself to do it. But once you see the benefit and once we're able to communicate with each other better, understand one another better, you know, argue less, um, I think that, you know, now it is definitely our, you know, half an hour routine on a Saturday. We have a coffee, we sit at home, sometimes we go to a cafe. It's our quality time together. Um, and so I, I really recommend it. I want to ask you about this lastly. Every time I go to Europe, I am amazed by the difference in food quality, quantity and quality uh, between U US and UK uh, and just Europe in general. I find that the food over there is just so much inherently better for you. You look at the ingredients, everything is more natural. It's way more common to see things locally sourced and, and, and fresh over there as, it, as opposed to here where everything is kind of mass produced and, and just made to make profits essentially. What do you see as the biggest kind of differences in food uh, when you've been to the U.S.? I know you, you've been here a couple of times. You just went on some crazy Vegas, you know, <laughs> California road trip. What do you see as the, the big differences uh, in terms of the way we eat? Mm. Mm. It's a little bit hard to say in terms of what are the major differences because – I guess I've only eaten out in restaurants. You know, I haven't gone to a supermarket and looked for foods myself and noticed, oh, you've got vegan options, you've got higher protein options, you've got more nutritional options. So, you know, here in the UK, we definitely have a wide variety of that, gluten-free as well. So we've got that variety um, and we're seeing more of that in restaurants as well. I guess, um, yeah, I, I can't really say in terms of the what's in your supermarkets. Um, but I guess you. What I one thing I could say is you definitely have really big portions, very Massive. big portions. We, we ended up literally breakfasts and what was there? There was an egg. Not it wasn't egg slut. It was something else in Vegas. <laughs> but we went for a big giant breakfast. But yeah, the portions are. This food is very tasty, but portions are massive. Um, and um, yeah, I I didn't quite notice too many healthier options on the menu but um maybe at the time i was just going for uh, the, the comfort food and enjoying yeah. my time there. It, it's yeah. it's hard to come by the healthy options in vegas they don't really yeah. cater to uh to yeah. that crowd there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sinana, thank you so much for joining me this has been an awesome engaging informative educational conversation that i know a bunch of my listeners will enjoy so thank you for being here uh enjoy the ufc fights this weekend i know you're a big yeah. ufc fan now so <laughs> Uh, a, a British fighter is fighting. So uh, have fun watching that. Tell them I say hi Amazing. and good luck with everything you got going on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it.